Hi, I'm Sean Gilligan, and welcome to a podcast about podcasting. In this week's episode, we talk to Tim Steer, who's a sports journalist. Hi, Tim. Tell me how you got into sports journalism at the BBC. It's called the Kickoff Reporter Scheme. It's still in place now, but it was the first year when I applied, and I got an eight-week placement at Radio Leeds. Do tell me about your career journey. After completing my master's degree, I applied for a work placement scheme at the BBC, which was all to do with sports reporting. It's all freelance work. I'm not contracted in any way. Uh, I've not had a, a staff contract anywhere. I've been completely freelance since I've left uni. So if you look at your broadcast journalism career thus far, what stands out? As far as things that stand out in my broadcast career, it would have to be commentating on Bradford City in the League One playoff final at Wembley. It's never easy, particularly when Bradford lost that day, but the chance to commentate on a football match at Wembley Stadium, I think, is most people's dream. What sort of microphones do you recommend for recording podcasts? For recording microphones for podcasts, I always recommend, in terms of any home recording, using a cardioid mic. They get you better quality, better broadcast quality as well. If you have a pop shield as well in front of it, that helps with the plosives. The microphone I have came with the Focusrite Solo 2i2 pack, but it's a CM25 Mark II, I believe it's called. As with any, there's plenty of good brands, NAF brands as well. Uh, the Blue Yeti seems to be one that's quite popular and used a lot. If you were giving advice to youngsters wanting to get into radio or podcasting, what would you advise them to do? I think my advice to anybody getting into broadcasting, but in podcasting in particular, is know exactly what you want to do. What's the difference between recording in the field versus being in the studio? It's the same when I'm producing a programme for BBC Radio Leeds, like the Rugby League panel. If I don't have a structure in place, even though it's all chat-based, it would go horribly wrong. So like reading a bulletin and I've accidentally said that the final score was 2-0 rather than 2-1. So things like that which seem little, but you know, can make a difference. When you're doing a radio show, is it just yourself or is there a group of people? Tell me about the team and the makeup of that team. What does a typical day working for BBC Sport look like? I don't think there is such a thing as a typical day working for BBC Sport. A lot depends on where I am. If I'm at Radio Leeds, then it might involve doing some press conferences for like maybe Bradford City or Huddersfield Town or maybe Leeds United if they have a pre-match press conference or it can be reading bulletins. So reading and preparing the sport bulletins for the day for the drive time programme, maybe. If it's for five live and I'm on shift. For something like a football commentary or a rugby league commentary, again, you need to do at least one to two hours preparation for that. Making sure I've got the right talking points, the right information, knowing who my guests are going to be and preparing myself for that as well. Before a radio show or a commentary, how much preparation do you have to do? Tell us more about that. Before a radio show, it depends on what the sports show is, but in terms of preparations for it, like for the Rugby League panel where it's an hour-based chat show, 
where I have two to three panellists and we're all talking about the latest rugby league news and results. Uh, That would usually take me about three or four hours to prep. Then I tend to be doing late bulletins, so I'm producing editing audio for the next morning, but then also for my bulletins that night. So there will be plenty of audio coming in from across the country on different sporting events, and I clip 15 to 20 second clips to go in the bulletins. What are your tips for getting started with podcasting? Because there are so many sporting podcasts out there, if you don't have a clear plan in your mind of what you're going to do, what you want to achieve with the podcast itself, then it's going to sound very amateur and it's going to just sound like people in a room talking completely no structure at all and and that's not appealing. Have an idea in your mind what you want from the podcast, what you want the podcast to deliver. Invest in some good equipment because, again, if it sounds bad, it will be bad. What's the biggest mistake you've made when you've been on the radio? I've made a few mistakes, nothing really bad, no swearing or anything like that, but I have on occasions got like score lines wrong. Do you think podcasting will eventually take over radio and what are your thoughts? In this day and age, it's so easy to to make podcasts and to produce podcasts as well that give it a go, absolutely give it a try. You never know what might happen at the end of it. Tim, which BBC presenters or sports journalists do you look up to as role models? In terms of sports journalists at the BBC or presenters, I look up to Mark Chapman. I think he's incredible that he can turn his mind and his abilities to any sport. Whether he's talking about football, he can move on to rugby union, rugby league, cricket, golf. He just makes it seem absolutely effortless. That's something that I think... I would very much aspire to do, to be able to be that fluent, to be that knowledgeable and switch between sports so easily. How do you manage the editorial controls of the BBC and the need for impartiality? Being impartial, that's one of the things when it comes to doing football commentaries, you're out, you are allowed to be a little bit less impartial because you're cheering on the West Yorkshire team. As for managing editorial controls... And being impartial, again, it's just being absolutely sure that what you're reporting, to your knowledge, is absolutely correct. Double sourcing, at least, needing two sources to confirm a story if that's the case. But then also just making sure what you're writing is accurate. Getting information like previous results, star players, stats, information, league tables, any sort of info you can find. That would literally be there as a backup, as something to fall on if you need it. But also in those key moments in matches, it's always useful to have those stats. For example, if you know that this win for said team would take them up to third in the table or something like that. Little things like that are useful. 